0: I'm assuming that was for them. (laughs) You see, you know, what we just saw, what we just saw demonstrated was the Christian life. You know what the Christian life is? It's a parade. It's a parade from here to there. And it's a joyful parade. Somebody say amen. Amen. Or or ee-haw or something like that. It's a joyful parade time. It is, it is followers of Christ that have so grasped Him and who He is and what He has for us and what He wants to do through us out in the world that we just can't get enough of Him. It's a parade. It's exciting. For, for the last number of weeks, we've been talking about this, this first century Spirit-filled church after the day of Pentecost and how Glad and sincere they were, how excited they were, how they had favor with all the people in the early days after Pentecost. It was the church. it was the church embracing God, being filled with him, and joyfully following him down the journey called life. You know what happened, though? Trouble came. Trouble weaseled its way into their parade. And then they had a choice. They had a choice to continue to focus on God and all He had done for them and wanted to continue to do for them. They had a choice to whether to focus on the joy of the Lord that is our strength or focus on the trouble that weaseled in on their parade. You see, what what we saw up here was was a parade. And it's a parade in which we can sing, crown Him with many crowns. It's a parade in which we can say, joyful, joyful, we adore Thee. In the midst of whatever. You see, in that first century church, we were looking in the window of the church and we saw joy and happiness and fulfillment and service. That was chapter 2 in Acts. But in chapter 4... Persecution started. chapter 5, there was more persecution. Chapter 6, there was grumbling in the church. And aren't we all glad that that doesn't happen anymore? Chapter 7, Stephen, who was described as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, was stoned to death. Chapter 8, widespread persecution broke out. And the parade was threatened to stop. And it would have if those early followers of Christ, filled with the Spirit, had put their emphasis on the trouble instead of God. You see, everything we are all about in this world, brothers and sisters, is Him everything it's about him it's a parade to glory if you will but there's trouble sometimes in your life and mine there's trouble say amen every now and then trouble comes have you ever felt like you're going down for the third time you ever had that feeling i literally had that feeling some years ago When I took all the missionaries on our field, the kids, the missionaries, and I think a dog or two, we all went from Moscow, Russia, on an airplane to Hergada, Egypt, for a week of rest and retreat. We stayed in this hotel compound on the Red Sea. You know, as in, how did Moses cross the... that Red Sea. We were we were living there right by the Red Sea, and I'd go out and I would stand on the edge of the Red Sea, and I'd look out there, and all I could think about was these Sunday school stories and pictures about Moses crossing the Red Sea. I even closed my eyes, and I saw Charlton Heston. I mean, I saw Moses with his arms spread out, and the water actually, I saw it happen, didn't you? Part right there on the screen. That's what I thought about, standing by the Red Sea. You know, as in, how did Moses cross the... That's the Red Sea I'm talking about. Well, the next day, we got into a glass-bottom boat... And we took an hour trip around that area just looking down through the boat and down. Sometimes we could see the bottom. Sometimes we couldn't. And I was looking for Roman chariot wheels or Egyptian chariot wheels. I was looking for them. Didn't see any, but that's what I was looking for. The next day, we got on another boat and we went out and we went snorkeling in the Red Sea. As in, how did Moses cross? That's the Red Sea I'm talking about. We were out there in the boat, and they took us to these three different coral reefs. And we were just enjoying ourselves snorkeling. We ate lunch on this sandbar in the middle of the Red Sea. And then we went on in the afternoon to the last coral reef that we were going to snorkel around that day. Well, they, they would always they would always have this, this anchor buoy that the first boat would tie off on, and then each boat after them would tie on to the boat. They didn't want anchors to go down and hurt the reef, so that's what they had set up. So when we got to this last reef, we were way back here in about the seventh or eighth boat, a long way from that coral reef. So we jumped in the water and we're swimming up, I don't know, a couple hundred yards, whatever it was, to the coral reef. Now, I got up there. I looked down in the water with my little snorkel gear on. And, and, you know, to me, I'm sorry, but... When you've seen one coral reef, I mean, you've seen them all. I mean, I look down, at least that's, I mean, I know I'm a hick, but, you know, I just look down and I say, yep, I've seen that before. And so I started to swim back. I got about 20 yards from the boat, that boat where I was headed, and I completely ran out of gas. I was done. I wasn't able to take one more stroke, and I started to go down. I struggled my way up above the water again and I yelled for help. And the people on the boat where I was going actually saw me and said, Hi, how you doing? How you doing? Turned around and went beyond what they were doing. I went down for the second time. And during that time, just seconds really, but I started thinking about Carla and my girls. I started thinking about those missionaries that I brought for that week. And I said, you know what? I'm about to ruin their week. <laughs> I actually thought that. And I was down there and I looked at my, my, my mask, my snorkel gear, and I looked down and I could see the bottom, I don't know, hundred feet down, whatever it was, long way. And I thought to myself, here I come, this is it. I struggled up one more time. And I yelled again, help. And the people on my boat, they didn't see me. They were doing something else. They thought I was goofing around. But that last time I yelled help, this guy from another boat, this Egyptian guy, jumped in the water, swam over to me and pulled me to the boat where my friends were. You see, I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to go down for the third time. Followers of Christ, we don't always have a good day. We don't always have a life without trouble. Yet, the Christian life is this parade from here to there. And the way our enemy trips us up and gets us off track and gets our focus off what we're supposed to do is when he causes us to allow trouble and suffering, and pain to distract us from our real focus in life, which is Him. You see, one thing you can't miss when you read through the book of Acts, you can't miss this, is how God used these people that had been filled with the Spirit to change their world in the midst of severe suffering and persecution. How did they do it? What was their secret? Their secret was, how they did it was, they kept their focus on the goal, not the suffering. Chapter 9 in Acts, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he he gets saved. It's his miraculous salvation. Saul becomes the Apostle Paul. Saul, who became Paul, quickly learned about suffering himself. Let's look at it in in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to this list. Paul's suffering. Well, I thought I had it. Five times. Verse 24. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Listen to this. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country. You get the pattern here? In danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. Verse 27, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul knew suffering. And yet God used him in spite of all of that and more. To change his world. Paul single-handedly changed his world through all that suffering. What's the secret? The secret is to focus on God and not the suffering. Because we all know that suffering comes to everyone sooner or later. So we can either allow it to knock us off the path or to stay in the parade... Crown him with many crowns. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, and walk as, as more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. In chapter twelve of Second Corinthians, Paul says this to keep me from being conceited, verse seven, because of these, these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with God. Three times that the Lord would take it away from me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. I think what we saw in the first century Spirit-filled church, I think what we actually witnessed, was a group of people collectively living in the flow of God's grace. In the 21st century, what do we do? We collectively live in the flow of God's grace. I know that some people here today are carrying with them a heavy, in some cases nearly impossible, burden, and perhaps you feel like I did, flailing around in the Red Sea, you know, as in how did Moses cross the? That, that's the Red Sea. Perhaps you felt like I did. You needed someone to to reach down and rescue you and save your life. Have you felt like this? Do you feel like that? Well, thankfully, we serve a God who is always having an outstretched hand. He always is stretching His hand out to you and to me. And you and I, child of God, need to live our lives with our hands stretched back to Him. Paul understood, came to understand, that his thorn in the flesh, his suffering, his trouble, came to teach him something. There was a reason for his suffering. To keep me from becoming conceited, the Lord gave me a thorn in the flesh. Will you do something with me? Are you in the midst of trouble and pain right now? Would you do something with me? Would you ask God, Father, this is about ready to eat my lunch. Would you tell me, Father, what you're trying to teach me? What I need to learn? How you're going to use this to mold me into the likeness of your Son? You see, Paul, when he figured out what his suffering was for, God didn't cause it, but God used it. When when Paul figured out what his suffering was for, he didn't ask for it to be removed anymore, which, by the way, isn't wrong to do. For Paul, he didn't ask to remove, for God to remove it. He rejoiced in the fact that God was using it to mold him into the likeness of his Son. Brothers and sisters, God created you and me. He knows who you are to the last cell in your body. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what you need. He knows what it's going to take to get you and me to become the people that He needs us to be to change this world just like those people in the first century. Fortunately or unfortunately, that journey of becoming all that God wants me to be involves some pain and suffering. Sometimes, It is more than I can bear. That's why it's so significant for God to say, My grace is sufficient for you. Lord, descend upon us. Gather us up and hold us close. Speak into our lives your purpose for us right now. Use us, mold us, make us, Lord, into the likeness of your Son. Change us into the people you need us to be and we need to be to impact our world. In your time, Lord, make all things beautiful in your name. Let's sing this song together. Listen to the words. In his touch. In his touch. There's people that are going to serve us the Lord's Supper. They can come he at this time and begin to pass out the elements. Listen to this. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. Lord, please show me every day as your king. Nazarene communion is open for anyone you do not have to be a member to participate with us you just need to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ we welcome you to participate with us if you choose not to just pass it on and we will receive the communion elements together as a family let's continue to sing in your you mm-hmm. our hearts to receive this Lord's Supper. Speak to us, Lord, to draw us into your presence. Lord, we love you. We don't understand you, Lord. We never will. But we ask, Lord, that you would help us to move closer to an understanding of who you want us to be and father help us to fix our eyes on you not our struggles Lord we need you sometimes life is overwhelming father we desperately need you help us Lord to long for You. Prepare our hearts. Edgar, let's in this moment sing that first verse again. Let's just sing it. Listen to these words. Lord, speak into our lives today. Let's sing together. In him. It is a privilege to approach the Lord's table and receive the Lord's Supper together as we remember what He did for us in the fullness of time. Christ died for us, and it continued to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the fullness of time. All that happened, and everything that is possible in Christ for you and me is a result of that. We celebrate. Let's stand together and receive the elements together. This is a symbol of the, bo- of the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for you hanging on the cross he had you in mind let's eat and be eternally thankful oh Lord we say thank you let's say thank you Jesus together thank you Jesus as Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior hung on the cross the last drop of blood dropped out on the ground and we celebrate what his shed blood has done for us let's drink together and remember O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, we celebrate today all that happens in Christ. We jump on the parade, Lord, and we follow the brass instruments playing joyful, joyful, we adore Thee. And we sing praises to Your name in spite of what this old world and our enemy throws our way. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Tim. bless you.